My name is Emily Lehman, and this is In Layman's Terms podcast. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode. Today, I have Zach Rutledge with me, and he is going to talk to us about all things that revolve around depression, coping mechanisms, and kind of how to make your day go a little smoother. Zach, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. Zach, I would love for you to introduce yourself to the audience a little bit, let them know who you are, and then we can jump in. Sure. Well, I guess the reason you have me here is I'm the author of um, the, the, the official depression relief playbook. <laughs> um, I, I guess I would go back and change the title if I could. But anyway, that's what it's called. And uh, um, things leading up to that, I guess um, why you should be listening to me. Um, well, I'm a certified personal trainer. I'm a certified fitness nutrition specialist. Um, I'm finishing up a yoga teacher training in about three weeks. Um, I am actually starting a program, getting my master's degree, um, in counseling. I start that in January to become a, a therapist, which will be cool. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a certified brain health trainer, which is kind of an odd one, right? I have that through the functional aging Institute and, um, wow. yeah, and I have a, a black belt in karate. So I did quite a few years of, of martial arts. So really, and, and then, you know, of course the big one was I, I suffered from depression for a very long time. And, you know, the point of all these other things, why I mentioned these things is because I drew upon all of these things um, gradually as they came into my life um, and then eventually compiled all these things to not only get myself out of depression, but to now, you know, my main focus is helping other people. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you said something that really stuck out to me is that when you were you used yoga and your karate and like all those things to help you kind of move through those feelings. I used yoga as well, uh, through mm. like getting out of my addiction recovery. Mm. Um, like hot yoga Pilates were a huge, huge part of my healing process. So I'm really interested to see how all of those things kind of played into your life and how they helped you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Obviously, we're fans of yoga, so I'm sure we'll get into that later. But of course, we're going to we're going to be pushing that, promoting that at least. Yeah. So at what age did you kind of come to terms with you realized that you weren't really happy and like something was a little off or something was wrong? So, yeah, that's an interesting question, because a lot of times people they don't know. They just assume it's outside things now. Here's the thing with my life, I, I, I really divided into two parts. So it's up to 18, okay? So up to 18, um, I didn't really fully realize that I had depression. Looking back now that I have the insight, it was like, oh yeah, because there were some like chemical things going on for sure. I just assumed I was a moody punk rocker. You know, like I just assumed that um, maybe I was a little more sensitive than other guys or, or whatever, or, or had better taste than other people because because things like um would would make me angry that shouldn't be making me angry like you know certain uh like songs or whatever i'd be like man this is really terrible it would really get me down right so like even like depressing songs would really affect me so or like breakups things like that would really affect me um and it's funny because there were no like capital T traumas in my life. We all have these small T traumas that, that happen at the very least, you know, up to the age of 18, but I didn't have anything major. So I, I just, I, I couldn't get that insight, right? Like that there was something 
internally going on. So anyway, at the age of 18, uh, I call it the perfect storm. So it was the summer after high school and my best friend was killed in a car accident. So that was um, a big one that set me off. Um, all of my friends were leaving for college. So kind of the support system was dropping out. Now this is pre, I mean, social media was around, but it's pre like, you know, what it is today. Um, my karate school closed, which was another big one. I had been in my karate school since I was 10 years old. And plus there tends to be this pattern with people, you know, and, and I don't speak um, in absolutes, but in general, teens, early 20s, things, we'll call them quirks, like depression, OCD, things like that, tend to manifest. So I think that all came bubbling up around that time. So um, even then, I wasn't sure that it was depression. I thought it was more grief. Now, there is a difference. Grief, we have to go through. Grief, everyone has to go through. Uh, you can't get around it. You can actually mask grief with uh, drugs. But once you come off those drugs, you still have to go through that grief. There's no getting around that. Um, it wasn't until about six months after my best friend was killed, I was like, oh yeah, okay, this, this is something different because I could tell a difference and this sounds strange to people who haven't been through depression. Uh, I could tell a difference. When I was at work crying for my friend, I remember a very particular incident, it felt cleaner. That's the part that sounds weird. That was grief. The depression was getting sucked in uh, and that was bottomless and there was nothing clean about it. There, I wrote about parts in the book where it felt like burning plastic, the way burning plastic smells, which sounds weird, right? Um, so um, I would say, yeah, geez, I was probably 19 when I finally fully realized, oh, all of these things kind of um, exposed the deeper issues going on and uh, it sucked me in pretty deep and that's where my journey to back to life began. It's really interesting that you said something about like a chemical imbalance. I feel like some people don't realize that you can have a chemical imbalance and that can cause depression or things like that. I absolutely dealt with that as well from a young age. And I sure. didn't know mm -hmm. like what that was. I wasn't aware of what anxiety was now looking back and I like look back and I see like, oh, of course, absolutely. This is stemming from X, Y, Z anxiety and all these things. So it's always interesting when you have that insight and you can look back and make those connections and put the dots together. Absolutely. And I don't want to interrupt you, but you, you know, you made a, you, you said two really good things. One was um, you just mentioned anxiety and anxiety and depression tend to run the same pathways in the brain. So there was a time, you know, I could remember times I, I write that depression is different flavors, right? So because you can have different types of depression, but there were times where it just kind of shifted into an anxiety and then maybe sometimes shift back to a depression. So that's why a lot of times you'll hear people uh, intertwine the two because they can kind of shift sometimes because, like I said, same pathways in the brain. Another thing, you didn't know what it was when you were younger, right? You didn't know that there were chemical issues. So props to you, right? Thanks to people like you. Now that we're talking about this, it's going to be a different world, right? So now hopefully people can understand, oh, this isn't like, and I, and I know I'm going off on a lot of mini tangents here. Um, I don't think there's one particular cause of depression. There could be different causes of depression. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into that a little later. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but now that we're talking about this and we're talking about how there can be a chemical issue, it's, it'll be hopefully looked at like 
as diabetes is looked at now. It's, it's just like, oh, well, my liver's, my pancreas is off, excuse me. My pancreas is off right now. And they'll be like, okay, well, let's get you some medication. And if you can say like, oh, I'm not feeling right. Okay, cool. Well, let's sort this out. We'll just see it as kind of more of a medical thing as opposed to something to carry shame around with, you know? No, absolutely. I mean, I remember when I was like 14 or 15 ish and I was starting to go to therapy and my dad was very adamant, like we're paying out of pocket. Like you do not want this on your health or medical records. And like, mm. they make you like, like it's like a shameful, it's like embarrassing. Like, why is it a bad thing to be going to therapy? And now mm. therapy is it's so great. It's so wonderful. It's so talked about it's hurrah, hurrah. So mm. I think it's really interesting to be speaking about these things and to see how just the progression is is moving still it's there's obviously so much work to be done and that's why we're doing what we're doing is to raise awareness about these things yeah it was seen as something for broken people right mm -hmm. if you see people in the self-help section at the bookstore it's like oh well, that's for weirdos right it's my when favorite it, part of the bookstore to be honest <laughs> and you know and we're in the vast minority because people are i honestly i was there i was embarrassed to be seen there right but like what's a better thing to be reading than ways to improve your life and improve other people's lives. I don't know of a better section, you know, to be honest. So yeah, hopefully through these conversations, things, things will shift. And I think they are, you know, the, the perception, public perception anyway. Yeah, I do too. And I think especially over like this pandemic situation, people have really been tuning in more to their mental health and really becoming aware of, things that are bothering them or blocking them from their happiness. And it's interesting to see a lot of the shifts, like people starting their own businesses, leaving corporate, mm -hmm. like ex all of these things. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. So, and we need to remember that too, even though we've all been through this collective trauma uh, and, you know, as we record this, we're kind of coming out of this whole awful mm -hmm. pandemic. Um, there have been silver linings and, and this is one of them. So we need to, we should at the very least recognize those, that there are some good things that are coming out of this. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I've read that drug addictions and everything has have skyrocketed. So it will also mm -hmm. be interesting once we do come out of the pandemic to see really like what the statistics are, like where people are at mentally, how it affected people and like the progression or the like decline, I guess, because um, it's been different for everyone. You know, I've had friends that have relapsed and overdosed and gone like way backwards, you know, and then I've had friends who are starting businesses and doing like all these amazing things. So it will definitely be interesting to see kind of where everyone kind of falls when the world is reopened again. I feel like we're slowly getting there, but yeah, yeah. You know, for your book, you know, you talk about mechanisms and way to cope with depression. And I would love for you to share with the audience ways that you found to get over traumas and hurdles and kind of just better yourself and make yourself more in tune with what you're feeling and how to direct those feelings. Yeah. So the very first thing I did, and I can remember this, I was in bed and I was never really awake, never really asleep. I was having problems sleeping, but I, had, I was having problems, you know, typical story uh, of my uh, life yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and um so i said I, i've really got to start focusing here because i had to drop out of college and, and my i don't have add and i guess to an extent we all have problems concentrating but at that point it was it was a, it was a major obstacle in my life so i had to drop out of college and i said i've got to start focusing on something that's so what can i do to just easy that i can do to focus 
I said, I know, I'll watch a half hour of TV. So what did I do? I did the worst thing possible, and I started watching the news. Because I was like, oh, well, news is like, you know, smart people, informed people watch the news. And I watched it, and I was like, man, I don't need to know about all the murders in the tri-state area. You know, like it was, it was, you know, you're kind of getting, and I, I get it. That's the nature of the news, right? You know, a lot of it is just reporting on these terrible things that happened. I was reading, you know, watching all these, you know, car accidents, all these awful things. So yeah, I said, well, well, I got to step back. Yeah. yeah you, you know how this goes. We all know how this goes. So, <laughs> so it wasn't until, um, it was a couple of years later where I was playing in a band. I, I still play in bands, but I was playing in this band where these guys were really into fitness and just by chance just happened to fall into that so i fitness was a thing for me that was like a byproduct of martial arts it wasn't anything i did for for fitness's sake so i, I was like oh these guys are lifting weights you know I'll, I'll do that so to put things into perspective i'm five foot nine i'm a personal trainer and right now i'm 170 pounds okay so i only mention that i'm a personal trainer because my my body composition is i i'm, I'm not i don't have i don't carry a lot of fat okay um and I work out six days a week. So just for reference there, five, nine, 170, fine. Back then, still five, nine, I was 124 pounds. So I was almost 50 pounds lighter. Yeah. So what I was doing was follow, you know, it, it was part of it was just, I wasn't keeping food. I, I, my appetite was gone. Part of it was um, taking like the advice for the general public, you know, so like, you know, I would see like the general things of like, oh, don't overeat, don't eat before bed, all that kind of stuff. So I was doing that, but really my body type, that wasn't, that wasn't for me, but I, I didn't know any better. So once I started lifting weights with these guys and they kind of turned me on to this whole world, I saw, so I was 124, I popped up to 135, what felt like overnight and then 145. And then I could see these muscles building. I was like, wait a minute here. This is like positive growth. So that was the first crack. The first thing where I saw, okay, I have some control and not in like a, an anorexic way. And I understand people feel like they need control in that way. This was like a, um, I'm building muscle and this is like a positive thing. And it was also, you know, for what it's worth, it was fun. It gave me something to do. Like I was reading these magazines with these bodybuilders, which I was never going to be a bodybuilder, but you know, I was reading these, and it was something cool. Like I could research lifting weights and I could research all these different types of exercise. So that was the first thing. So when people contact me and I have a lot of people contact me about depression, you know, one of the first things we'll talk about is like, what are you eating and, and what are you doing to move your body? Because there's a cascade of effects that go on in your body when you work out, right? It's not just the, um, um, what do people call it? The endorphin rush. Well, those endorphins most likely actually aren't crossing the blood brain barrier, but you're getting other things going on. You're getting like the, the mitokines in your, in your muscles and there's all kinds of stuff going on, but it's also getting you around people. Like we talked about yoga. If you, if somebody's listening and they don't suffer from depression, but they know someone who suffers from depression, this is my first advice. Almost always ask them to come with you to a yoga class. It's going to, and, and I would approach them and say, hey, you know, I'm a little embarrassed. I'm a little anxious. Would you mind coming with me? It's also going to get their body moving. It's going to get them learning something new. And it's going to get them in a social like environment with, you know, you don't have a lot of jerks going to yoga class. You're going to have a lot of friendly people around. So you're going to kind of hit it in a lot of different ways. So that's my first piece of advice, right? Is get people um, into yoga and, you know, and then the, the, um, 
more like the physical aspects because it's tangible. And you don't have to start with the physical aspects. It's just, that's where I tend to point people. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like yoga, it's just like very relaxing. It's very calming. It's just like a great way to reset. So that's mm -hmm. an amazing tip. I, my mom and I go, when I lived in Ohio, we participated in hot yoga all the time together. And we would try to get my dad to come with us to like a, a session never went was like, I'm not going to that. I'm like, Oh my God, like this would be so great for you. Um, I'm like, just come with us to a class. He's like, I'm not going to yoga. And it's hard, I think, to, in that situation, persuade someone, I guess, as well to go. Sometimes I've been finding. So that's like a good thing to be like, okay, I'm a little embarrassed. Like, will you go with me? Yeah. Maybe I'll try that aspect, like that route with my dad next time. Yeah. And then he'll feel good about helping you out. Right. Yeah. And then he'll be like, oh, this is actually like a killer workout. It's not what people expect. That's changing as well. But a lot of men, you know, tended to be um, think it was all for girls in yoga pants. Right. Yeah. But uh, but hey, there's a lot of girls in yoga pants there. So, guys, you should be getting there. Right. Right. Hello. <laughs> no, but yeah, I, I think that's really interesting. And I think that's a great tip. So I am going to definitely try and use that. It seems like you are very like informed of all things depression and are there multiple types of depression? Yeah, I'd absolutely. love for you to kind of dive in a little deeper on that. Yeah. So, so in the book, I call them flavors uh, because it, it never, it, for me at least, it didn't stay the same throughout the years. Now to, to put in context, I suffered with serious depression for almost a decade and it went through different flavors. Um, and the way I experienced it was actually through color. So that sounds weird, but like, you know, my first bout, major bout was like all black. And then I remember a, a white period. And I remember like an orange period. I know that sounds very odd to people who haven't been through depression, but that's how it felt to me. Um, so one thing that I've, I've caught people with depression almost unanimously saying or feeling or trying to get across is, well, my depression is special. My depression is somehow different from yours. I'm in so deep, you know, there's nothing I can do. I understand that everyone's depression is different because I've been through all the different types of depression or a lot of different types of depression. And I think that's all unique to that person. But the one unifying factor is we can all get through it. We can absolutely, we all can do other things, which is why I put in the book, like this multifaceted attack plan, I call it the D-Day approach, which is kind of morbid when you think about it, but it's, the, but well, I meant like, you know, we're, we're coming at it from every angle, right? We're coming at it with everything. So if you come at it with not just one end, right? So, excuse me. So there's, there's, a, you know, a, a big, um, a fairly big push in the medical community right now where, uh, they view depression as a gut issue. That's like one of the newer things, right? Because you actually create over 90% of your serotonin in your gut, not in your brain. So people are actually giving um, probiotics for depression. I believe that's part of it. I don't believe that's all of it. People, believe it or not, think it's uh, an issue with um, dehydration. I believe that's part of it. I don't think it's all of it. People think people are saying it's, it's, a uh, um, um, oh, inflammation again, part of it, not all of it. Right. So again, I try to come at it with everything. Uh, a lot of it's the mindset stuff. And before I forget, 
Um, since I don't tend to talk about the mindset stuff in podcasts, if anybody wants that chapter, have them shoot me an email and I'll send them that chapter on me and they can um, check that out and see if it's their cup of tea. But getting, yeah. your, getting your thoughts turned around as well is a really important thing, right? And, and feeding your mind these positive things. So yeah, have them shoot me an email. Um, and you actually reinforce these positive pathways in your brain when you, when you kind of um, squash these negative thoughts and, and, and um, reinforce these positive thoughts. Yeah, so, so have them shoot me an email for sure. Yeah, I'll absolutely link that in the show notes for anyone Thank you. interested. Yeah, absolutely. Great. And you said something interesting about changing uh, like the negative to the positive mindset. That was a huge, huge part of getting sober and getting a handle on like my mental health, anxiety, and depression. I was typically like the glass is half empty. The glass is not half full. And I started realizing like, I'm so fucking negative. Like the things I'm saying, the things I'm thinking, I'm like, I have to change the way I'm perceiving things. And once I started making those changes, then I'm like calling out my dad. I'm like, okay, like you're so negative. Like you have to, and then I'm seeing it in other people. So once you start making those changes, it's really interesting how you pick up and perceive how other people are thinking, how like they're perceiving things. Absolutely. So that for me has been really life-changing. I mean, it's seeing the world in a whole different like lens is why absolutely wild. It really, really is. And I've been there, right? Again, part of the moody punk rocker, right? I just thought I had better taste than everyone when I was complaining about the pop music that I hated, I was right? the moody punk rock teen. It's okay. I feel like <laughs> But time. that's great, right? So I talk about the glass half empty, glass half full thing. Regardless, guys, you can fill up the glass more. And that's exactly. kind of the point of my book is like, okay, we have to put the work into this. It's not just about uh perspective which is a big part of it it's a huge part of it but guys put the work into it you have to do the work in order to fill that glass more yeah yeah so that for me just changed so much and how i even like interact with people and it's just like i'm typically kind of more of an introverted person i'm like pretty shy and i kind of like keep to myself but it's definitely like been pushing me and like here i am doing a podcast would have never thought like pretty cool right like (laughs) like talking to strangers about very vulnerable personal things so it's really crazy just you know where the universe takes you and kind of where you end up and Mm. tweaking those someone said to me once it's not about making big changes it's about making small changes that lead up to the big changes which i think is so important Oh, I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. In fact, I have a chapter in the book called Small Victories, right? It's, it's about making all those small changes. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And for the audience, could you recommend maybe like a few small changes that they could make in their day-to-day? Just any- Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, and feel free to make fun of me here, but I still, <laughs> you can, that's fine. So um, I still do this to this day. So I work on paper. I don't, I don't, I typically, uh, I have a list of things that I like to do and I, thank you. All right. Like if you can see my desk, it's, I have post notes everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And there's something about like bringing the physical, like bring your thoughts into the physical world. Right. So like I even work, my schedule's all paper. Right. So anyway, I have this daily list that I go through and I, I was going to put a checklist in my book, but, um, 
uh, everyone's day is a little different, so I didn't. But I, I literally have a checklist where I know every morning I'm going to, you know, wake up, brush my teeth, and, and drink a tall glass of water. That's the first way. That's the way I start every single morning, right? And on my list, which I've actually photocopied because I was tired of writing it down every time. That's uh, so smart. <laughs> Thank you. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. I have water at the top of the list. I know I'm going to drink a glass of water. It's the simplest thing to do. But I make it a point. So I go, I get up, I brush my teeth, and then I drink this tall glass of water. Water's at the very top of my list, and I cross it off. That's my first win. Right there, I've won my first small victory. And as I'm drinking that tall water, I'm kind of, um, it's not even a, a saying or anything. It's just this positive feeling of like, I'm going to crush this day. I'm going to nail it. Um, and I'm starting it in the best way possible. So that's my first thing that I do, right? So, and then I have, um, Again, I know I'm going to do this, but I want to start my day with these victories. So I have breakfast on there that I always make this healthy breakfast, but then I have these supplements that I have to take. I live in the Northeast, right? I'm, I'm a couple blocks from the beach. So um, we don't uh, get a lot of sun in the winter. So we typically are very low on vitamin D, people in the Northeast. So I have, you know, my vitamin D on there and like things like that. So, and I cross it off and I'm like, all right, that's my small win. And literally it just kind of builds from there and I'll have some bigger things in there. Um, but the things that I want to do every single day. And, and it's not just like I go through my checklist in the day and I'm living off of this checklist. I kind of view it as like, well, in the morning I do, do this, these three little things that I'll do. But um, when my day starts to go sour, you know, when it's, it's a day to day type thing, like let's say I have, um, I'm doing something for work and, and my work day starts to go sideways. I'm starting to get a little moody or I get super distracted and things are just kind of falling apart. I view it like a pilot, okay? So a pilot doesn't hit a problem and say, okay, uh, what do I do and feel it out? What they do is they, they go to their checklist and they say, okay, is it this? No, is it this? No, is it this? Yes. So I go to my checklist and I just start crossing things off, nailing things out. So like um, I play bass, so I wanna practice bass for at least five minutes a day. Practice that, it clears my mind, cross it off. Do something else that I want to do every single day. Cross it off. So that kind of gets me back on track. So I kind of view it as like a, uh, um, um, almost like a magnet. It pulls me back into that. Um, I don't want to say like, like an offensive mindset almost. And I don't mean it as in like a, a with other people, but just as like purposeful, living my life in the direction I want to be moving and not letting the day run me. Yeah, absolutely. I, that's so funny. I live off of lists. I cannot function without a list. I do the same thing. I write down like the top three to five things that like, I absolutely like, know I need to accomplish today and, or try to get accomplished. It is just so rewarding, like striking through it and is. like, yeah, like on yeah. to the next thing. And you know, that holds me accountable. I really need structure. If I'm not, I'm like, I do. I have ADD. I've had it for God. I can't the third grade. Like I've been yeah. diagnosed with it for a really long time. So for me, it's like, I'm doing like one thing and then I'm doing this and I'm over here. And then I'm like doing like all of these things where it's like, okay, I need to like do one thing, then the next thing. So it's, I, it's, I'm finding my balance in that. So checklist in your next book would be good because <laughs> sure people would absolutely love it but you know most people don't want to practice bass for 10 minutes a day so i don't <laughs> that's why i can put it in there <laughs> no yeah i'm i'm even finding that i'm having to just really like narrow in like my google calendar even down to 
like certain things like working out, I'm like going to do this, like practice, like Photoshop, um, just like things like that. Because if I find that I, I just have too much going on. Like I, I get so sidetracked where I'm like, okay, so I really had to narrow, like really narrow things down. Yeah. and, And that works well. And you know, whether we have ADD or ADHD or not, that's just the world we live in these days, right? We have yeah. computers to carry around that are constantly pulling our energy and then our attention away. So, you know, uh, yeah, look, you're with me, girl. Paper lists yeah. on, or, you know, scheduling things out. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, it's it, it really works for me. So, you know, if anyone needs a checklist or a list, Zach and I can help you. <laughs> <laughs> um, a few more questions for the people that are listening and, you know, if they think they might have depression or suffer from depression or they have a loved one who is suffering, where would you direct them to like their first steps of getting help, I guess? Or where do you recommend they go or like reach out, like whether it's like a family member or like going to therapy? Yeah. So like I said, with the if you love someone with depression, it's going to be tough communicating with them um, because they're seeing things like you said with the glass half empty, or they're going to be saying, well, they can't understand. Well, guess what? They're going to, people are going to say stupid things to you. If you have depression, they're going to seem stupid because they can't understand. Right. So we have to accept that. And we have to practice forgiveness. That's a big thing, right? Practice forgiveness when you have depression because people will say stupid things because they can't understand. Um, Now, as far as, and of course, like I said before, you know, bring them to that yoga class. Now, as far as if, if you do suffer from depression yourself, of course, you know, I, I, I'm a firm believer in my book because it's actionable things. Um, and, and I don't, um, coddle people, but it's not tough love. Uh, cause I know what it's like to, to be in both sides and neither of them are healthy for me anyway. It wasn't, um, but absolutely look for some kind of professional uh, help. Like even your primary care doctor, and this sounds weird, but my primary care doctor was the one who actually got me on the antidepressants, which was my very last step in my journey because I could have gone on fine, you know, but it was around eight o'clock at night where things started to kind of fall apart again. And it was every single night. I told my doctor about this and she's brilliant. And I, I had so many, um, um, like misunderstandings about uh, like anxiety and depression medication. And she's like, just try it. And if you don't like it, come off. I was like, Oh, okay. I didn't even know that was an option. I thought I had to stay on it. So, you know, they do have some insight there. And if you, and if, and I understand, you know, these things can be pricey, but now with the internet, you can find, you know, free or reasonably priced resources. Um, And these people are export experts. They're, they're trained in this. So uh, highly, highly recommend, you know, getting your voice out there and, and as far as or, or getting your, um, your voice heard by experts. And, you know, on the, on the topic of therapy, I'm sorry I'm going off on a tangent here, but this is yeah. also important. Um, you know, I went to a therapist when I, was, when I was in a rough time, went once, it didn't fit with me, uh, so I didn't go again. I just figured, okay, therapy is not for me. Um, that was the wrong attitude. It wasn't until I went to my fourth therapist after, you know, years and years, I would, I would hop in once in a while and it just wasn't working for me. Finally found one that resonated with me. So it's like building any other relationship. Right. And, 
you know, all, don't believe all that other bullshit that you're telling yourself, like, oh, I'm paying for a friend and all that stuff. That's not true. You're paying for a part of your team, right? And so you're building a team, like just like your primary care doctor is a part of your team. Your therapist is a part of your team. You're still the boss, right? You're the CEO. You're in charge of this, right? So, so don't feel like you're losing control to anybody. But you're building this, they're almost like coaches and they're going to help you through this highly, highly, highly. And I know it, this may even seem like um, simplified, you know, saying reach out to help from a professional, but really reach out to help from several professionals and see who's going to work for you best because um, um, that's what they're there for. And sometimes we just um, dismiss the simple things, but, you know, really come back to basics, find that, find that uh, therapist that can work with you well. Yeah. And I think you said something really important. I think people assume like, okay, I'm going to go to therapy and this therapist is, it's going to be great. It's going to work for me. That's not like, it takes time to find a good therapist. You know, since I've been living in Los Angeles, I've been through three or four therapists and I've kind of settled on one. I don't know if she, like, I'm going to she's okay for now, Mm long-term. I don't know if like, she is what I'm looking for. I had the most amazing therapist in Ohio and it's like so sad that I had to leave her because I went through like years and years of therapy with her. So it's like kind of discouraging to have to start all over when like someone knows like your whole life story. But I think the like people who are listening, finding a therapist that works for you is so, so rewarding and having that sounding board is so helpful. And if you can afford it, absolutely. I know sometimes therapy can be expensive, which really sucks. Um, I I was running into that issue earlier this year um, as well. So, but there are resources, there are resources and people, you just have to dig a little deeper, but well worth it. Yeah. And on my website, I have some resources as well um, that you guys can look at and see if anything kind of breaches or sparks anything. Um, But yeah, anything else, Zach, that you want to share with the audience, anything else that is super important or a message that you want to leave them with today? Oh, good Lord. There's, there's a million important things. Yeah. We didn't even scratch the surface. Um, let me think something that I feel like is important. That's okay. Okay. I got a good one. (laughs) So this is the most controversial section of my book. Um, and because it seems unimportant to a lot of people, quick story. I was, I'm a very informal person which is why some of these therapists didn't work for me. They were very by the book. Everything was very, uh, uh, it feels rigid to me. I don't want to say, you know, some people like that kind of stuff. It didn't work for me. I'm very informal. Um, And I, you know, I I don't mind when people curse. I don't mind when people have their shoes off around me. Like, I don't care or whatever. So um, I was on my way to an interview and it was for some corporate job. Okay. And because that was my vision of success. And I was like, well, if I, I just graduated college and I was like, okay, so, and I was still feeling pretty down. Um, I was better, but still not great. And I was like, okay, well, this is the vision of success. Once I'm in here and everybody's telling me this is great, you know, it would be making a decent amount of money. And that would be, then I would be complete, right? Then I would be complete. So I'm on my way to this job. Halfway there, I'm wearing this business suit and I just busted out crying, like sobbing. And I'm not a crier, sobbing. Um, and I'm like, what am I doing wearing this suit and going to this corporate job? That's not me. And you know what? That's okay. We're all different types of people. You can be successful in your own specific domain. Um, 
I'm probably not meant to be a pilot. So I'm not going to be a successful pilot. But if that's for you, go for it. Uh, but there's, there's, so there's the Myers-Briggs test. And I learned this in therapy, you know, so you learn these different personality types and you learn that your mind works in certain ways. It's just kind of the way you're built and you're drawn towards certain careers. All of them are okay. All these personality types are okay. They're just different. Accept the kind you are. Take this Myers-Briggs test, search it. And if you have problems with that, just shoot me an email and I'll send a, a good one to you. Um, and I can explain more to you about it. Um, and, you know, you can pursue success in your own way. You don't have to fit anyone else's vision of this, right? No matter what people are telling you, go after what your heart wants. And it sounds cheesy, but it's true. No, it's really true that, you know, four or five years ago, my dad was like really, really pressing me to like work at Fidelity, which is like a finance, like mm. money, whatever situation. That is not me. I mm. am horrible at math. I failed math in college. Like that's just like not what I wanted to do at all. But like he kept pushing me and pushing me because it's like that like, oh, you're going to go work for like this company. Like, I don't fucking want to do this. And like, I did not, I didn't get the job. And sometimes I, I feel like people think like you have to go do, like you have to go work for this corporate thing or you have to work for this big company to like be successful. And that is just such bullshit. Like you can find happiness anywhere. So that really stuck out to me. And that's okay. That's exactly. Okay. And that is okay. Like you don't have to fit this mold that society is telling you guys that you have to go work a nine to five in a suit and tie, like mm. go fucking work on a farm, go work with animals, go like do whatever mm -hmm. makes your heart happy. And I think that there's so much pressure today to like be that supporter, the provider, have that job that like is that security and all of those things are important, but you can find that security elsewhere nailed it you can find it elsewhere it doesn't have to fit these really older ideas it's a different world now yeah yeah it is it's it's been really interesting to see how everything is slowly changing and like all the progress that's been just being made i think it's it's really inspiring and that's kind of one of the reasons why i'm doing this is just kind of to be more of a voice for people. And I didn't really have those resources when I was going through like my mental health struggles or like my drug addiction. I was running around like in circles with, I had, I didn't know like wh where I was doing, what I was doing, who to talk to, what to do. Do I talk to someone? Do I deal with this on my own? Like all of those things. And so it's really nice to be able to like be a voice of reason for people who I think are a little lost and confused and like need a little push in the right mm -hmm. direction sometimes, you know? Mm, I'm with you, yeah. Having you was great. This is, I mean, depression is something I've dealt with for, you know, a long time. And I think some people find depression to be like embarrassing or like something is wrong with you or like you're not all there or like we're overly sensitive or you're going to hurt our feelings or like we're mm -hmm. criers or like the, I get that a lot. Like, Oh, you're really sensitive. Mm -hmm. Okay. And mm -hmm. like, yeah. and thank you. Yes. So mm -hmm. what I'm sensitive. Okay. I cry. Like, okay. And <laughs> funny, like my sister, they're always like, you're like the most, the more sensitive one. I'm like, 
I don't like, I just am. I, I'm just, yeah. that's just who I am. I don't know. And, and that's part of being human. And, and that's actually something to like to be proud of in a way, because uh, I don't know where I fall on the spectrum of sensitivity, but I, I would fight a lot of my feelings a lot of time. And I still fight a lot of my feelings a lot of time, especially as a dude, right? You know, you, you're, you can have, you can, as a man, you can have both emotions, happy and angry. So, <laughs> you know, so I, I still fight it, you know, a lot, but that's something to be proud of, like feeling the moment, you know, that's, that takes bravery and, and sometimes work, you know? Yeah. And, you know, being a man and the stigma around emotions, how have you navigated that with having depression and going through all of these valid feelings with, you know, society as a whole is like men are supposed to be tough. Men don't cry, but obviously you guys have feelings. <laughs> yeah. And I grew up in a very, um, I, I don't, I, I guess masculine would be the word like, but a very rough, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, physically rough. Well, geez. Okay. I, let me, let me back this up a little bit. Physically rough in a good way. I, I do enjoy challenge still. My dad is and was a big skier, scuba diver. He's a big hunter. I'm not. Oh, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. I love to ski. I love to ski. Mm, okay. We got to go skiing one day. We're going to, we're going to talk after we're recording. Yes, um, absolutely. So, yeah. So like very outdoorsy, all that kind of stuff. And then I was with friends who were like very big into like skateboarding and, um, you know, we were always doing and then like, you know, martial arts and all that kind of stuff. Right. So I had a very, you know, physically rough uh, upbringing, which I'm, I, I still love that kind of stuff. And I'm not knocking that at all. Mm -hmm. um, but the whole, you know, you're not really so much talking about, oh, what this person said really upset me when, when you're, <laughs> you know, out doing a lot of these things. Um, so it's a little different. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to complain because I had it, you know, they're equal parts good. Um, but it was different. And I do find it still easier to talk to women about a lot of things. I still, and that's one of my, one of my issues is I, I relate easier with women when it comes to actually talking about uh, things that you feel. Yeah, <laughs> Sounds or just like being vulnerable. It's easier for you to be vulnerable with a woman. Sure. Yeah. Cause like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm still a punk rocker and I still play shows and I'm with, with, you know, most of the guys, most, most of the people in my band are men. There's one female. Uh, but like we, um, you know, we don't talk about a lot of that stuff. So yeah, it's different. It's a different thing for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's really interesting. You know, it's great to see, men speaking about their feelings more and being more vulnerable. I've, I've realized over the last few years and we're kind of knocking down that stigma that the men, like you have to be tough. There's no crying. And but it's, I it's, love it's, to see that. Yeah. And I, I don't want to cut you off either. And I apologize. You know, oh, I don't care. We're, we're, there's a country, there's a full country between us. So there might be a small <laughs> delay, but um, you know, and it's a funny balance, right? Because there is a lot of that, but I don't want to lose. I love being like, the, I'm not like a super masculine dude but I love like doing the quote unquote more male things that I do. Like the macho man things. Sure. It's fun for me. It's fun. Yeah. It's just like, that's how I have fun. So it's a, it's a, it's an interesting balance. Yeah. It's, it's definitely something that we could talk about, you know, have a full podcast on another episode. Absolutely. That'd be fun. My last question for you is going to be, what is one failure that you've had that has led you to success? Okay, that's a great, great question. Thank you. Oh, I love that. 
Okay, so, oh, I could go in a million different directions because I've had so many failures. <laughs> oh, um, it's funny the way things turn out. And I, I just finished watching this thing with um, Spike Lee because uh, I'm, I'm shooting a movie actually in a month and a half. Oh my God, so, cool. Yeah, that was my first master's degree was, a, was in film. So um, he said every time, he said without exception, every single time something failed as far as like getting an actor he wanted or getting a, a, a location he wanted, he said it's always worked out for the better in the long run. Now, I wouldn't say every single time it works out better for the long run, but man, a lot of my failures really ended up working out better in the long run. Um, you know, whether it was the yoga school I ended up in, um, which oh, I guess didn't really fail out of that, but you know, failing out of college, that's a great example. I failed out yeah. of college. I, I, I pulled myself out. It wasn't like they kicked me out, but I, I had such a tough time. It ended up being better. Uh, this, this doesn't necessarily answer like, um, you know, a way that it made me, it made things easier for me to achieve things. But like, you know, I, I ended up not going to college or going to college immediately. And I felt like a failure because all my other friends were graduating when I was still, when I was just re-entering college. Right. So I didn't graduate college till I was 26, which isn't terrible. But at the time I felt like an old man, you know? Um, but I ended up in a better school and I made like way closer friends than I would have if I had continued. And I applied for this internship. I ended up not getting this internship, which they told me I had, and they ended up ghosting me. So I was crushed and angry and all that kind of stuff. It ended up being better because I ended up starting my own, um, I did an independent study in lieu of a, um, um, an internship. So my independent study was I made my own TV show where I put bands like on TV for my college TV station, whatever. So I did that myself, but that gave me, so I loved doing that. And that gave me the confidence to actually, I created a TV show, which I put on the air in Philadelphia. And it was a copy of that show. So that actually ended up working out better. So all these things, all these setbacks, you know, there are very strong silver linings uh, where things, things really did work out. I'm in the middle of stressing out about my film right now. There's a lot of things I'm stressing out about right now, but I have to just trust my gut where, you know, well, if I put ah, it in work, It will be okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it really is true. And the older I get, the more, the more I believe it, you know, isn't it so funny how like, yeah, you're like so crushed about that job or whatever. And then it leads you to, for you doing something that's your own thing. Yeah. Like, what are the, so like, the universe, man, it's wild. I am a big believer in manifestation and like healing energies, your vibes and kind of like what you give out, you'll get back. And it's Dude. just, I did. Okay. So I, I, your listeners are going to, they're, they're tuning out at this point. Cause we're going on not just as people, but, um, I, I was so not the woo woo dude, like 10 years ago, last night I had a Reiki session. <laughs> you did. I've always yeah. wanted to try Reiki. And like, I don't know if it was psychosomatic or what, but I'm telling you, I am telling you when she put her, she, it was like touch Reiki. She actually put her hands on me mm -hmm. as opposed to hovering. And I, it was like, I, my eyes were closed, but I was boom, seeing things and visualizing things. Like it, I felt it. I felt it. Um, really wild. It was a really cool experience. And it, there's no way I would have done that 10 years ago. Really, really, uh, Really interesting stuff. That is so cool. You have inspired me to, I'm going to book a Reiki session because I've heard just like such incredible things about them, but no, yeah. Like 
I wasn't really into that stuff either. And the more and more I got into it and just like opened up my mind to the possibilities. I mean, the possibilities are endless. My dad used to like make fun of me and was like, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) Like, you know, like getting (laughs) out of this like horrible breakup and like cleansing my crystals on full moons. I'm like lighting pieces of paper on fire at their house. And he's like, are you okay? Like, what is going on? I'm like, I'm fine. I'm just trying something new. I'm like going through new experiences. I'm trying something different and I've done it and it's been so great. And now I'm just like, whatever. I don't care if you guys think I'm crazy, but like, if you manifest certain things, they will come and you know, you have to be patient and it might not be exactly whatever, but you just have to be open and like, be aware of those signs because the universe is always speaking to us. You just have to be able to perceive what she's saying. And and I think women are definitely more in tune to that. It's tough even finding male Reiki people. Um, And yeah, and we're not saying, or at least I'm not saying that it's everything, but it's part, it's, it's another approach. It's like we said that D-Day approach, right? This is another thing that you can do. So who knows there, you can't tell me that what we see the physical world is all that's going on there. There's gotta be more. And even if you are the person who believes that the physical world is all, even just by the practice of doing this, at the very least, you're realigning your thoughts and your energy into the direction you want to go in. That's at the very least, right? Yeah. So of course, add this to your repertoire. You know, I'm I'm all for it. You know, I don't write about it so much in the book, but hey, if it's another thing that can help you, why not? If you're not hurting yeah. anyone and it can help you clarify something, go for it. Absolutely. And Zach, for the audience, your book is on Amazon, yes? Yeah, the official depression relief playbook. It's only on Amazon. Uh it's a, it's like a technical thing, but that's how I can keep it cheaper for people. Cause it's very inexpensive. So oh, if you go great. exclusive through Amazon, you can keep the price down or else they would charge you more to have it on there, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, it's just on Amazon. Um, it's in the, there's a print version and, a, and an e-version. Um, yeah. And if you, if you want that free chapter, shoot me an email. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'll link that for everyone. Zach, this was so fun. Thank you. Oh, I, I loved it. Thank you so much. It was a real honor. And I love what you do. Honestly, I, I think it's great. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week and I'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you for joining us today on this episode and hopefully we could put this lesson into layman's terms. See you guys next episode.